0: I'm going to concentrate this morning on verses 9 and 10. I have not forgotten that today is the 15th anniversary of 9-11, the tragedy that took place so many years ago, 15 years ago now. It's, It's interesting the conversation that I've heard today coming in where most of you um, and some of you may not have even been alive when President Kennedy was assassinated, but it's a similar kind of thing. If you were alive and aware of it, you remember exactly where you were and what you were doing at that moment in that time. It, it's unforgettable, but it is not unforgivable. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> we can live with that and have a negative. Attitude, And certainly I don't like anything that happened on that day. But the good news is, is that God forgives even those who work such terrible atrocities in our world today. And so as you pray today and as you consider this day, don't forget those families that lost loved ones, those families that lost everything. Remember that God loves them. He cares for them. He will meet their needs. And remember those families whose family members were responsible for the tragedy. That they might find their way to Jesus Christ. The one who forgives all. That's the hardest thing for me sometimes to to process in my mind. Is that when you really look at it, God through Jesus Christ loves everyone, Jesus died for everyone. And that includes those who are murderers, those who are terrorists, all of that. God, through Jesus Christ, has provided this amazing grace that she just sang about. So as we remember them today, let's remember God's grace in every situation. Today I want to begin a process of talking to you about this thing called prayer you know it's interesting to me that in in all of the years that I've been pastoring I think one of the greatest positions that we have and one of the greatest privileges that we have is the fact that God himself has created a way for us to commune with him on a regular basis I don't know if you know this or not but you have the right through Jesus Christ to speak to God anytime that you want to. Doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter what you're up against, doesn't matter what you're facing, all you have to do is realize that when I cry out to him, he will hear my prayer and he will answer. In October of this year, our church is going to participate in an event that crosses denominational lines and boundaries. We're going to be joining with other congregations, and we're going to be praying for America. We talk about that all the time. You hear preachers say it all the time. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray, pray, pray. It's one thing to motivate people or to, to speak that, but it's another thing whereby we can put in your hands a process that will help you to do that. So beginning in October, we are going to put in your hands a prayer guide that will allow us together to pray for 31 days in October for our nation. It's going to explain to you every day how you can pray on that particular day. Has it ever dawned on you that when you're praying and someone says we need to pray for the nation, That we don't really understand what's the process of that. So we're going to start off praying for Alabama. Not for their football team. They don't need any prayer. We're going to pray for Alaska. We're going to pray for the primary needs of those states as they have been identified. And as we move through every page of the booklet that we're going to put into your hands. You will have a guide by which you can get started. Now, for those of you who are seasoned war veterans, I'm talking about prayer here, intercessors. This will be just a starting place for you, and you'll move on from there. But for many of us, that will be the guide that will help us to be able to begin this process of prayer for our nation. And it's no accident that in November of this year, merely a week after uh, we finish our prayers for the nation, We're going to be electing a president, a new president for the United States. I'm not here today to make political statements. You know me better than that. I feel like that you ought to be mature enough in your faith that you know how to vote your convictions. The only thing that I will say is, is that as difficult as it may be for some of you, you do need to exercise your right to vote. You need to do that. But before that we need to exercise our right to pray because prayer will make a difference, amen? I don't know how many times I've had people come to me through the years and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? And I'm more than happy to pray for individuals, but I have learned as I have matured in my own walk with the Lord that rather than pray for somebody, it would be helpful if I would teach them to pray so that I could pray with them the next time. Because I really firmly believe that you need to be praying. You don't need to just come to church and let us pray for you. You need to get to the place in your relationship with Jesus where that no matter where you are and what you're doing, it just spontaneously rises up in you and you begin to pray to the Father who is in heaven and the Spirit of God that is within you. Amen. It's interesting to me that in the first part of chapter 11 in the book of Luke, that Jesus is praying and the disciples are there with him and they come to him and they, ask, they could have asked him anything they wanted to ask him. They could have posed any question that could have come to their mind, but what they asked them was, him was this, Lord, teach us to pray. Well, that's in my spirit right now, and so I don't know how long I'll stick with this, but I just have a feeling it it may be a few Sundays that we're going to talk about this because, listen, prayer is a powerful, powerful thing. For, For years, I called it a tool, but it's not really a tool. It's a communication conduit that moves me from where I am in the natural To where I am and should be in the spiritual. And it is the conduit that takes me from what is natural to what is supernatural. And if you are in Christ and you are a believer, then you have the Spirit of Christ in you. And so I want us to talk about it for a few minutes this morning. This message I've entitled The Process of Prayer. And I want to simply... Read verses 9 and 10. Now, this whole, whole area here is filled with instruction on prayer, but I, wanna, I want to come into verses 9 and 10, and, and let's talk about it today. It says, verse 9, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone, say everyone, Everyone. for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be open. Lord, you are about to just throw revelation all over this place today. Lord, there are people who came in this house today wanting to hear from you. Lord, facing circumstances and situations in their lives where they need answers. And Lord, I believe that through your, your word today and through your servant that you're going to put in their spirit. That the process to their victory is building a prayer life. A, con, a consistent and a continual communication with you. Now Lord, will you help me today to be able to speak effectively To be able to say what needs to be said. Let it land where it needs to land. And let it be heard by those who need to hear it. And then when we come together in just a few moments. And pray together unified as a body of Christ. Lord will you do something in their life today that will encourage them. And build faith in them and help them to understand. That you know what the pastor said today is true. I feel it working already in my life today. Do your work in your people through your word. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. As I've already said, prayer is a communication vehicle. I love to talk to my wife. I love to just have conversations with her I'm sure that you have a spouse or someone, a best friend, or someone that you just love to sit down and talk to them. You just love to have conversation. You don't really view those times of conversations as a tool. You're not necessarily using that conversation to get something in return. You're having that conversation with that loved one because you love that individual and you love sharing life with them. Again, whether it's a spouse or a friend or someone at work that you work with, you have conversations not thinking, well, if I talk to this person, I can wrestle this out of them. I can can get this out of them. You, You communicate with them because of the privilege of relationship. And that's the way prayer is to the child of God. We don't view it as a tool. That would be offensive in some ways. Because the only time that we use a tool is when we have a specific, a specific task that needs to be performed. And so we reach for the specific tool to help us with that particular task. But prayer is not primarily a tool It is primarily a relationship with the God of this universe. Now, it is true that in prayer, that answers will come to you and wisdom will come to you and anointing will come to you that will help you to be able to accomplish things in your life that will move you from a place of desperation to a place of victory, But we don't approach with this idea that it's simply a tool. No, it's a relationship with God Almighty, I mean, can you even imagine that in your minds? You and I, when the veil was torn in two after the crucifixion of Christ, when that, that happened, it gave us the opportunity to come boldly under the throne of grace so that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. You have just as much right in the presence of God as do I and you get there through this thing called prayer. So what is prayer? Well, let me, let me define what prayer is. This is one man's definition. It says, prayer is conversation with God. It is the intercourse of the soul with God. In other words, it is the connecting point. It is where our soul comes together with God, not simply in contemplation or meditation, but in direct address to him. Prayer may be oral, it may be mental, it can be occasional, or it can be constant. It can be spontaneous, and it can be formal. So there are many different levels of this thing called prayer. Now, today I want to point out three of these things to you And share some information with you that I think will be helpful as we begin this process of prayer. Now let me say to you that these three things will always be constant in your prayer life. It can be that you're at a very simplified place in your life. You're a young Christian. You're just getting started in your relationship with the Lord. Can I tell you that these three things I'm about to share with you will be an, an integral part of your prayer life. But if you've been serving the Lord for 45 years, if you've developed a relationship with Him that has been constant and continual through the years, you're going to discover that these three things are still active in your prayer life. So let's start. The first thing that scripture says that we must learn to do is to ask we have to learn to ask now when I say ask what I mean is is that we have to have direct communication with God God does not have an email address he does not accept text he does not Take phone calls. He desires to hear your voice. He desires to hear his people crying out vocally and verbally to him. His ears are open to the cry of the righteous. Say amen. Amen. We have the opportunity to directly talk to him right now. Right now, I can stop talking to you and start talking to him. Father God, I'm so thankful to you for a wonderful congregation that you've allowed me to be a part of and to lead and to preach to. I'm so honored that somehow you would have looked down so many years ago in southern Illinois in a farming town that had more pigs than they had people, and you put your anointing upon me and said, I'm going to use you to build my church. I'm so thankful to you today, Lord. You see how easy it is to just slip from the secular realm, if you will, into the spiritual realm. And if you know me, you know that I believe there is really no separation for the child of God. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We are spiritual every moment of every day, 24 hours a day, 350, how many days a week there is all the time. You and I are spiritual. I lose track of how many days there are in the, in the year. Did you know that some years have less days than other years? Did you know that? Okay, just wanted to make sure you stay with me. Direct communication with God. It's always amazed me. And I Listen, I don't want you to ever think that you bother me. I, I, I'm going to say a good 75% of the people who call me or text me, or email me, they always say, Pastor, I hate to bother you, but... Well, let me tell you, you're not bothering me. That's the reason that I'm here. I'm here to walk through life with you. It doesn't bother me when you call and have a need and help me, need me to help you pray. <clears throat> but here's what I want you to get in your spirit today. By the time that you reach for the phone and call me, You could have already talked to Jesus about it. You could have already communicated with God the Father and taken care of it. And then you can call me and say, Pastor, I just wanted you to know that me and Jesus, we already got it taken care of. But I want you to know what's going on in, wait a minute, in my life. Grabbed the wrong thing. I'm truly... Truly not anointed today. Amen. Direct communication with the Father. Secondly, this idea of asking brings with it with a realization that I am totally and completely dependent upon his provision. I wouldn't be asking him if I could figure it out myself. I, I wouldn't be asking him if I could meet the need myself. But I need him. I am dependent upon him. But I must ask according to his will for my life. And we have this theology in the modern day contemporary church today that just believes that you can ask for anything, whether it's in the will of God or out of the will of God, and you can expect that God's going to do it. Listen, I understand that Scripture says that you can ask for anything, But it also declares that it must be in accordance with the will of God for our lives. And so we have to understand that. James chapter 4 verses 2 and 3 says, You desire and do not have, so you murder people to get what you're wanting. You covet and you cannot obtain it, so you fight and quarrel with one another. And you do not have, number one, because you do not ask. And then verse 3 says you ask, but you don't receive because you're asking with the wrong motives. You want to spend it upon your own passions. So you need to understand that when we ask, we're asking because we're dependent upon Him and we're asking according to His will for our lives. Let me illustrate it as best I can to you. Let's say, that you need a set of tires on your vehicle and you, and you know that and you've got the money saved up and you're ready to go buy the tires and, and, and you select the, the tire store that you're going to go to and, and you're on your way and you're going to buy some tires. But on the way, you decide you're going to stop at Chick-fil-A and you're going to get some chicken before you go to the tires. And you're sitting there and the Chick-fil-A, it can't be on a Sunday because Chick-fil-A is not open on Sunday, so it's got to be Monday through Saturday. You know that. Everybody understand that, right? Okay. You pull up to Chick Fil A and you you sit in line and you finally you get up to the to the one uh, of that thing, the speaker and they say, "It would be my pleasure to fill your order today. Give me your name for your order." How many of you just give them stupid names? Can I just see your name? Like, I love that. I love that. So that when you drive up, they look at you and say, you know, they really don't look like that to me. But you're anointed and you've got your mind on these tires and you're going to buy tires and you drive up to the speaker and they say, how can I take your order today? And you say, I'd like to have four tires, no sidewalls, black, I'd like to have this size, and I'd like to have a large lemonade to go with them. You know what they're going to do? They're going to say, excuse me, Rastus, but we do not sell tires here. We sell chicken. Now, I could sit there all day long and seek and knock and determine I will not leave this place until I get what I want. And you know what? You're still not going to get any tires at Chick-fil-A. I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get arrested is what you're going to get. Because they're going to call the cops and say there's a crazy person named Rastus out here in our drive through wanting to order some tires. You see, we have to work within certain systems, don't we? We have to work within certain protocols. God has established those protocols in His Word. And when we understand those protocols then we have the ability to go to him and say, Lord, right here, your word says that I can ask for this and have an expectation that you're going to do this in my life, not because I deserve it and not simply because I want it, because it is your will for my life. And so, Lord, I am asking for you to do this in me. So you have to ask Within these protocols and according to his will. And there's a third thing about asking that you need to understand. You're not going to like this. But you have to be willing to beg. I I know in America that we don't even like that concept. But you have to be desperate sometimes. You know, I I think that sometimes the reason that we don't get our victories is because we're just still praying, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Or maybe this, Lord, come out of that crack and bless this snack and go right back. Amen. <laughs> and And we, we pray on such an elementary level that we never get into that place of blessing for our lives. There are times that you have to get desperate. Now, in the Greek language, the word that Luke uses is a word that describes a beggar. In other words, when he read this or spoke this, to the Jewish people that were around him, they would have immediately pictured someone who was begging, an individual who could not provide for themselves, who could not supply their own need. They were unable to work. They were unable to to provide for themselves, and so they had to position themselves in different places so that when people came by, they they could rattle their cup, and they they could plead, and they could beg, and they could say, could you help me? I'm reminded of the man who sat outside the the temple and and as the disciples are on their way to to worship on that day, he's rattling his cup at them. He's expecting to receive, the scripture says. What was he expecting to receive? He was expecting to receive alms, money, provision so that he could drive through Chick-fil-A on the way home. He was expecting to receive that which would meet a natural need in his life. But Peter looked down at him, and he said, Sir, look at me. He said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ I give to you. Get up and be healed. So he was positioned in a place where he was desperate, He was begging for those who would come by and provide for him. You know, it's interesting to me that he didn't receive what he was expecting. And many times, we don't receive what we've been expecting. Because God looks at us and he sees the end from the beginning. And he knows what you need. the scripture says, before you even ask. He's aware of something out here. That if he provides this for you, it will be out of sync with what the future holds for you. And so you've got to be careful to stay in the will of the Lord. You say, oh, pastor, it just sounds so hard to me. It just just sounds so difficult to me. But it's not. When you're in relationship with him, you'll know his heart. You'll know his mind. You'll know his word. You'll know his protocols. There are times that I can just look at Donna and I know exactly what she's thinking. There are times that she can look at me and know exactly what's on my mind. Why? Because we have a relationship with one another. We've conversed with one another enough that we can now communicate sometimes without even even speaking to one another. So let me encourage you, don't back away because it sounds hard. Work on that relationship. And as you work that relationship, you will discover that you understand and know the will of God. So he says, ask. It's direct communication with God. It is dependency upon his promises and it's desperation. Some of you haven't broke through yet because you're just not desperate enough. Let me tell you something. I'm going to give you some good news right now. God's going to make things worse before they get better. Because he wants you to be desperate. He wants you to come to a place where you say, Lord God, I want you more than anything in this world. I need you, God, more than anything else in this world. I'm desperate for you. I told you about several years ago, we were at Winterfest, and we were, we were singing that song, you know, 20,000 teenagers out there, and they're singing and worshiping, and, and they're singing this. Well, I don't even know who was singing it, but they... It has in it the line, I'm desperate for you. You know that song? And I was singing it, I'm desperate for you. And stupid me said under my breath, Lord, I'm singing this because it's the song of the day, but I'm so stinking blessed in my life right now that I don't feel real desperate. I feel blessed. I don't know if you've ever had one of those little mentalities or or mindsets that comes on you. And I, I honestly, I said, Lord, I'm grateful for my blessings. I don't feel desperate today. I can't sing this song appropriately because I'm not desperate. Desperate. And boy, I wish I'd have never said that in my life. And I don't ever intend to say it again. Because the next several months of my life became a time and a moment and a season of desperation that was beyond anything that I could have ever imagined in my life. And thank God I stand before you today. I went through it. I made it through by the grace of God and the help of Jesus. I came through that moment and that season of desperation and I stand today victorious because of him. God wants us to be dependent desperately upon him. The second thing that he teaches is is that we must learn to seek now seeking is different from asking because I can position myself and never move to the right or to the left I can sit right here in this one spot and I can ask would you this would you that could I I can ask from this position all day long But there are times in life when we have to move beyond asking and we have to start seeking. We have to start getting up and saying the answer is not coming here. So I better find where that answer is. I have to seek. It speaks of intensity. It speaks of praying beyond our little prayers and start putting some some concern behind them some intensity behind our prayer. Now, the way that we illustrate this in Scripture is, again, in the book of Luke, do you remember the little, uh, the little lady that lost the coin and she could not find it? And she began to search and seek for the coin and, and, and she, she did whatever she had to do. She had to move things. She had to look behind this door. She had to lift this up she had to do that when I was a kid I used to love to take the cushions out of the couch and see what was under there anybody else like to do that oh it was fun just pull those cushions out sometimes you could get some old walnuts from Christmas two years ago sometimes it was a quarter sometimes it was a nickel and sometimes I would look and realize that my mama had just taken the cushions out and run the vacuum sweeper on it. And there was nothing there. But you know what I discovered my mama never did? She never run the vacuum down the side edges of the couch. And so you could take your hands and go down the side. And, oh, there's my sock. <laughs> I knew that I had that sock. There it is. You can go in the back, and you can find a newspaper from three weeks ago and go over here and find a Bible that I thought I'd lost. And no wonder I can't read Scripture. My Bible is in the couch. And you, you know what I'm saying? You're seeking and you're looking. And then you think, okay, well, I'm done. I saw it. I've, I found all, but you're not done yet. How many do you know if, if you'll just pull that couch away from the wall? Oh my goodness. There's toys back there. There's balls that the cat took back there. You know what else I found behind ours before? Toenails. Clipped toenails. Not me. Don't you be pointing your finger at me. Just just remember we have grandchildren. And people in our family who will remain nameless who like to pick their heels. Oh, you can find all kinds of stuff behind the couch. How I many of you just felt the need to vomit just then? Can I see your hand? But you see what seeking does, it, it, it requires some effort. It's like the shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one of them leaves and he leaves the 99 and what does he do? He seeks for the one that is lost. Some of us need to seek. Then there were the Greeks that came to the disciples one day and they had heard about Jesus. And when the associate said to the disciple, there's some men here that would like to see you, they came and they said, what is it that we can help you with? And they said, sirs, we would see Jesus. We don't care about anything else. We don't care about the songs. We don't care about the offering. We don't care about anything else. Oh, we just need to see Jesus. Our life is such that we need to connect with Jesus. We've got to have Jesus sirs, we would see Jesus. You know, sometimes in our lives, the process to victory is not easy. And so we have to roll up our sleeves. We've been taught in our nation. I, I, I just happened on Francis Chan yesterday who was preaching in Kansas City at IHOP, and he was preaching about all of this prosperity, prosperity, feel good, hyper grace kind of stuff. And he said, you know, I've been trying to get there in my soul and in my spirit. He said, but every time that I open up the scripture and go to the New Testament, it says that Jesus suffered. And if I want to experience all that Jesus had in his life, I have to learn to suffer too. Now, listen, I get that there's a balance There will be times of abundance, there will be times of sufficiency, there will be times when we are not suffering, but there will be times that we are suffering, and wherever we are, in whatever moment in our lives, we have to learn to seek God for the answers. You know what I've discovered is, is that what worked for me 10 years ago may not work today. So I know I'm just going to keep banging this home. I'm just going to keep banging this home. I'm just going to keep banging this home because I know it worked for me 10 years ago. But You know, God may be doing a new thing in you right now. God maybe did for you what he did 10 years ago because that's where you were in your relationship with him. But maybe he wants to bring you up a little higher. Maybe he wants to bring you up to a place of maturity. Maybe he doesn't want you to be approaching him from a distance once a week. Maybe he wants you to crawl up in his daddy lap and enter into a relationship with him that will take you to a new place in your life. But you're never going to get there unless you raise the intensity level. And start seeking for those things in your life that he's trying to bring into your life. Seeking also means that it, it's a new way of thinking. It's a new insight. It, it, it's putting away what we thought at one time. And now we think about it differently. You know, everything in life grows and matures. And where we are in our life right now requires that we may have to think differently about our situation. Can I just... I I know some of you said that I don't start meddling until I'm an hour into my sermon. I'm going to start early. You know, sometimes our homes are such a mess and such a wreck... Because we're trying to live our relationship with our spouse on things that we felt and knew 10, 20 years ago. And we're in a different place in our relationship. And so we, start that, we have to start act, acting different towards our spouse. We have to start speaking differently to our spouse. Let me give you a good example. When my wife and I got married, I came from Southern Illinois farm community, rural mindset, The man was the, he was in charge. I mean, he wore the pants. And if you didn't, if you didn't, whatever the man said, and and I, you've heard me say this before, my mom was so respectful of my dad that if I asked her if I could go down to the Dairy Queen, she would say, well, I'll have to ask Brother Baker first. Brother Baker was my dad. She didn't call him William in front of me. She didn't call him your dad in front of me. She called him Brother Baker. because My dad ruled the roost. Until one day we were wrestling and I beat him. And mom took me over to the corner and she said, you will never wrestle your father again. Leave him alone. Because men were respected. They, They were the... They ran the show. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And then I met Donna. And I decided I wanted to marry her. And she said yes. And I said, now, if you marry me, you do know that I'm running the show, right? Now, I may not have said it quite like that. But I sent a pretty good message that I'm going to run the show. Is that true? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> now we've been married 37 soon be 38 years I don't get up in the morning and look over at her and say go fix my eggs I don't get up in the morning and say go fix my coffee bring it to me I get up in the morning and say what would you like for me to do baby <laughs> no 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 we've got this deal that we have it's whoever gets out of bed last has to make the bed Now I don't know if you've done anything like that now back when we were first married I ain't making no bed that was her job now that was my mindset that's how I was raised the old traditional mindset the man gets what he wants whenever he wants it, however he wants it. And some of you about to lose your marriage because you're not smart enough to realize that ain't the way it works. Somebody say amen. Now I'm not denying that God has an order for marriage and for the home, he does. But it is a respectful working together between the male and the female as we work together in this relationship, I have learned now that there are things that she does that are much better than I could ever do it. She has ideas that I can never even think of. She has a spirit in, about her that I respect because I've learned, I've watched it through the years and know that when she has a feeling about something, just a, just two or three days ago, she came to me and she said, i I'd like to talk to you about something, and we took the time, and we sat down, and, and we began to talk about a situation, and she said, uh, you know, I had this dream, and, 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 and I'm dealing with it. I'm, I'm kind of thinking it through, and, what it, and, and we talked about it. She shared it with me, and, and when we were done, I looked at her, and I said, totally agree with that. I believe you're right on track with that. I believe that the Lord is speaking to you about that. And not only do I believe it, but I'm going to join you in it. And that's the kind of relationship that we can have with the Lord. Where we say to him, look, Lord, I realize that you're in charge. And you're not just in charge because you want to tell me how to do everything. But you're in charge because you know what I need to know. And you will give me the knowledge that I need to be able to be successful in this situation. So here's what I'm trying to say. Some of you just need to think differently. Some of you need to put on a new mind. Some of you, you just need to say something different, do something different. You've got to change some things. You've got to seek for what is right and then pursue those things in the Spirit so that God can release a new perspective in you. And that will take you to victory. One other thing, one other point that he makes, and then I'm getting ready to close. This is where you can turn to the visitors and say, don't, he's not closing. (laughs) Asking, seeking, and then knocking. desperate are you? How desperate are you to see change in your life? How much do you want to see it done? Are you willing to seek the door that you need to knock on and then stand there and start knocking? And say, Lord, I know this to be your will for my life. I know this to be according to your scripture. I'm going to knock and knock and knock and knock until you respond. It's a pressing in. It's a pressing in to something that you know, that you know, that you know. I was talking to a couple of our young couples this week and I was just encouraging them to be faithful in the season that they are currently in. Because I remember, Pastor Danny, what it was like to have a call on my life and want to get out there and do it. I said, sometimes you just have to wait though. Sometimes you have to stand still and wait on the Lord. Sometimes you just have to let seasons move and pass. Before God ushers us into that place that he has for us. But once God puts you where he intends for you to be, you got to take on a knocking mentality. Because there will be times that you'll get before doors that are never going to open. Because God does not want you to move in to that dimension. He has something else for you. So you have to knock and knock and knock and knock until you get to that place. I've told you this story. I hadn't been here as your pastor for six months. And I was sitting in my office one day and the telephone rang. And it was an overseer who knew me and he called me and he said, Hey, Rob, are you in Louisville? I said, Yes, sir, I'm in Louisville. You know, what are you doing there? So I've heard about what are you doing there? I said, Well, God, God brought us here. You think I am an idiot? <laughs> Besides that, I'm a Cards fan. I wonder a, a UK fan, West Virginia fan. Said, "Listen, if you'd like to leave Louisville, there's a church that I'd like to offer you and like for you to consider." And I had told my wife one time in a weak moment when we we're in, I said, "If I ever get the opportunity to pastor that church." I'm going. I'm not going to pray about it. I'm not going to ask God. I was kidding. I'm not going to ask God. I'm just going to tell you to call and get the U-Haul because I'm going. There was just something about that church that attracted me that I, 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 I wanted to go there. And now, here I am. God has opened the door for me. And I wanted to go through a different door. And you know what I did? I, I said, listen, I appreciate you calling me, but stop right where you are. Don't say another word. I don't want to hear it because I am where I need to be. I'm in the perfect will of God. And if I were there, it might feel good in the flesh, but it won't feel good in the spirit. So don't even talk to me about it anymore. Listen, there are doors that will come to you throughout your life. You've got to know, according to the will of God, which door to knock on and which door to leave alone. Better come help me. (laughs) No, I'm not going to say that. There's another thing that this means and it's been so heavy on my heart lately because knocking in this context is a persistent activity you don't quit until the door is open you keep knocking you've been asking you sought the will of God you know what the will of God is you're standing at the door God has for you you just got to keep knocking. There's nothing that grieves my heart any more as a pastor than to watch people give up. Give up. Give up on their marriage. Give up on their calling. Give up on your children give up I know people that are 78 years old that are still in second grade when it comes to the things of the spirit and you know why because every time God tries to graduate them to the third grade and then the fourth grade and then the fifth grade something happens he encourages them. He he challenges them to move up higher. And the thought of the work and the commitment and the pain of it all, they say, I'm not gonna do it. It's gonna go right back here because I'm comfortable there. And they stay in second grade all of their life. Can I tell you something? You can never graduate high school by remaining in second grade. God has something for you, trust me, that you will never achieve until you take the next step that will lead you up higher. Some of you, God called you to a ministry, and you started out faithful, you started out strong, and for whatever reasons, you just stopped along the way. Let me tell you, you'll never advance until you pick that calling back up and you move it on to the place of fulfillment that God has for you. You got to knock. You have to be persistent. You have to finish strong. How many of you want to go out half dead and dried up? Can I see your ends. Many of you just want to barely make it. How many of you, the only reason that you're praying for Jesus to come over, come back again, is so that you can be rescued out of this God forsaken world that I'm a part of? Can I encourage you today? Square your shoulders back up, stand up straight. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am more than a conqueror. I am victorious. I am called. I am his child. My sins have been washed away. <clears throat> he will not remember them against me again. I'm going to square my shoulders up. And I'm going to walk forward. The power of the Lord. You said I thought you were talking about prayer. I am because you can declare that all day long you can talk that all day long but in order to maintain that posture you're going to have to learn how to pray you're going to have to learn how to communicate with the Father, our Father which art in heaven hallowed holy awesome is your name you know what we need in this church more than anything else people know how to pray people that no no matter where you are you're going to be walking down the mall and somebody says oh hi I haven't seen you in a while how you doing man things are going great I got to tell you if things got any better I couldn't stand it well things aren't so great for me would you pray for me yeah I'll pray for you two days from now at 7am in the morning when I pray the next time it's on my schedule you can handle it like that, or you can say, hey, I'm gonna pray for you right now. Is that okay? I know we're in the mall. I know that there are people all around us, but it don't bother me if it won't bother you. And if it won't bother you, I'm just gonna take off right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to pray to touch my brother right now. And they'll say, What? This is the mall. The mall. What if revival breaks out in the mall? Oh we gotta oh no we gotta suppress that. Oh we can't we can't have revival in the mall. Don't tell me what I can do and what I can't do. This is a free country. I'm a free man of God called by his spirit. I can pray anytime I want for anybody I want to. He said, Well, you can't pray in school, you know that. Says who? Who says? You can't pray in school. Oh yeah, watch this. You can't tell me I can't pray. You can't tell me that my prayer is restricted to the altar of God. This is a free country. I have the right to go into the Holy of Holies at any time. In fact, the Father is inviting me. Bring it on in, son. Bring it on in. Come on in here. Come on in here. I want to talk to you. We need people who are full of the Spirit of God and full of courage uh, who are on their way here and on their way there and say, listen, I know that you're expecting something else, but I don't have that to give you, but I've got something you need. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Get up off of your mat and walk. You've been healed by the power of God. Amen. See, you can't wear them church shirts down to the mall. Really? Well, we just did last week, didn't we? They come up and they say, I like your shirt. Oh, thank you. You'd like my Savior too. And we in the spirit of life. Church, I got right here. Man, Jesus is there. We love him. That's the reason we're here today. We love one another and we love Jesus too. You have the right to pray and communicate with God whenever you desire and whenever the need arises. Prayer team, I want you to come.